0: This is your host, Natalie Allport, former national team athlete and entrepreneur, and welcome to the All In Podcast, where I share stories, interviews, and advice with the goal of helping you go all in. Hey. Yeah, what's going on? How are you? Not too much. I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good. Not bad. Uh, I've got, currently drinking, uh, a little vodka and sparkling lime water. Ah. Uh, enjoying that? What right. are you drinking?
0: You're fancier than I am. I got a local sour. Um, okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I just Lo- ordered so the, some more. The, but...
1: the local brew. What um, what does that entail normally? Is that like a, a staple where you're? Yeah.
0: At? Well, actually, I'm like this. I was just talking to some people before the, before you joined, and I was saying how slow a drinker I am. Everyone laughs because it, it could take me like three hours to, <laughs> to sip on this really slowly. And so uh, like the first week of this whole quarantine, I have a, a friend and some connections that work at this local brewery. And so I wanted to support them. So I ordered like my favorite sour that I had tried um, from them. But yeah, it's I ordered maybe 14 beers and I still have probably like four of them left. And it's been like, what, seven weeks or something. I
1: know so. I my uh, my trader Joe's. Do you guys have Trader Joe's there?
0: Uh, no. And that is the worst thing ever. I drive to the States just to go to Trader Joe's and I bring stuff back. Really? Yeah. I like anytime I go to the States, I purposely make a trip throughout, like through a town that has Trader Joe's and stock up with stuff.
1: What? um, Gosh, why? I wonder why they haven't expanded uh, north of the border then.
0: I know they really should. We don't have anything like Trader Joe's. Like we have our normal grocery stores and we have like our high end and even Whole Foods is slow to take off. Like we have one where I live and um, yeah, we we just have one and some of the major cities have, yeah, maybe one. I don't think mo- maybe some cities have two, but in all of Canada, there's probably maybe a dozen Whole Foods. Like I don't think there's more than that, but I could be wrong.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow hot commodity there
0: Uh, yeah it is and then there's no like there isn't that middle ground with trader joe's it's like the cheap Mm -hmm. person's whole Foods.
1: no uh i mean i'm very thankful to have like three trader joe's around my apartment Uh, oh yeah um but yeah i have like a six pack of trader jose's which are just like (laughs) knockoff coronas that i have like two of them left over since the start of all this i'm like i really don't drink beer that much
0: uh yeah, I've I've seen those ones, the Trader Jose's. <laughs> awesome. So before you came on, I was intro like I was introducing you and just talking you Oh up. awesome. Yeah, and then talking beer and random random questions that I got. But um yeah, like you're you were a catcher uh as part of the San Francisco Giants organization, played in the minor league. Um now you're a social producer at Uninterrupted, so you're doing awesome stuff with content and social media and you're super into comedy. So that's pretty much everything that's in your Instagram bio already that everyone yeah. can just go find. But uh, yeah, I think I, I kind of introduced before people came on here, but I see more people are tuning in from your audience. So that we would talk about your athletic career, the transition, current projects, and some social media stuff that relates to athletes and maybe some tips for athletes as well. So um, I'd love to start off with just your story as an athlete. I, I looked on your YouTube channel today and it was like so many more things that I didn't know since the last time we chatted. So I'd love to know more of like your story coming up and getting into baseball.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I guess, um, how I ended up to where I am now, I guess. Um, so I grew up in Portland, Maine. Uh, we were basically neighbors, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so I ended up uh, moving out of Florida my senior year of high school. I got drafted by the Astros. I didn't sign, went to Boston College for four years. And uh, after college, I signed as a free agent uh, with the Giants in 2013. And when I was playing, like I grew up around minor league baseball. We we hosted players throughout my whole career, Or, or I'm sorry, throughout my whole high school. It like, pretty sure it was like eighth grade through high school. Yeah, players like constantly um, at my house. So I knew what minor league baseball was like, they ended up in high school, they ended up bringing me into the bullpen to be like the bullpen catcher. So I was like in the clubhouse. So that was my first experience with pro ball was like being around these guys and then being in the clubhouse. Um, So I kind of knew what minor league baseball was like, but I didn't know what it was like for me as an individual and all the struggles that you go through. Uh, but just because you're not paid a lot of money, not many people know that Your the entry level is, uh, $1,150 a month and you only get paid during the season. Um, so obviously that's not a lot of money, <laughs> no, um, no. but what I ended up doing was I started a YouTube channel called homeless minor leader. Well, it was originally a blog and it was because I was couch surfing in Boston in the off seasons and uh, one of my good friends, Steve Buckley is now uh, a writer with the um, who's he with now the athletic. And uh, oh, yeah. he was with the Boston Herald at the time. Um, but he ended up he used to cover minor league baseball and he was like, he would joke around like, Oh, you're just a homeless minor leaguer. Because <laughs> I'd just be couch serving all the time and he would be writing his column in the morning. And I'd be sitting there like an idiot. I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah. And, and so I started writing too. And then I just put the dot com at the end of homeless minor leaguer. Um, and then eventually like I transitioned to the video um, started to gain more traction there. Um, and that was kind of how I made a lot of my connections in in like the digital space uh, was finding that overlap of people who were comedy fans, or like people who are baseball fans, but also like in entertainment. And like, where's like in the middle of that Venn diagram Um, so that when I was done playing, I had a little bit of a safety net um, that I could fall back into. Um, So that was, uh, yeah, that was uh, up, let's see, up until uh, 2018, I got released by the Giants and uh, that transition was tough. Like post baseball, it's a really tough transition or, or sports in general, um, I think it's really hard. Uh, and as much as I thought I prepared for when I was done playing, there's still like, you still can't do everything you think you can, because there's so much of your identity is attached to the game that you played. Uh, because for 20 plus years, you've been training to do just that thing. Yeah. And now you're like, Well, what am I even working towards? What am I doing? Even though I was building all this great stuff off the field, I still was like, Well, what am I? Who am I? Um, but I had that safety net that I, uh, built was, uh, amazingly helpful. Um, one of my mentors, uh, was the first, uh, person that reached out to me, uh, and gave me a call. I still have the voicemail, but he was like, Hey, why don't you come back to LA? You can stay with me, um, in, in my guest house, and then we'll like help you find a job and like, what's next? Like you should come back to LA. And so I did and i uh got a job on captain marvel working as a production assistant so that was my first job post baseball was because i knew i wanted to be in in some sort of production entertainment what have you and that was like a great way of like an entry level position to just get my feet wet and and see everything um
0: yeah see I can all imagine. the pieces
1: see all the pieces um So I did that. um, And then I met when we wrapped that summer. That was still summer of 2018. Oh, someone's just throwing ice off my balcony. Um,
0: (laughs) That sounds like a Canadian thing, but you're in LA.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what you do after your team wins, right? The hockey team wins, you throw ice out the window.
0: I'm not so sure about that. I'm pretty sure I heard
1: that. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so where was it? Okay, so I ended up uh once I wrapped on Captain Marvel, I ended up uh getting connected with Uninterrupted and it was just like a perfect fit of like more the whole message of more than an athlete and um what I was doing before, right? It's like I was definitely more than an athlete uh, with everything I was doing off the field. Um and it was just like such a great connection. Uh, like one to one perfect. Uh, yeah matchup so that's what i'm doing now i'm a social producer there so i do everything from like video editing to making funny memes to like yeah to working with myself yeah it's all, like all over the place um, that's
0: yeah that's super cool and i know like that whole connection was what made me want to reach out to you is because i saw you on tiktok i was like i liked like something that was funny and then like a week later i saw something else and i was like oh who is this guy and then I checked out and I was like, okay, former basketball or baseball player and worked at uninterrupted. So, you know, I'm in the social media space as well. And, um, the whole content creation. So I was like, okay, that's perfect. I have to reach out to him and see what he's all about with social media. And yeah, like the whole more than an athlete message, because like, I think we talked about before is like, I love that whole message. And, um, like you said, with the transition, how tough it was, but I'm sure that, like, I don't know if you agree with this, but that I know for me, I bounced out of that like tough transition time because of what I had built. And I think if I didn't have that, you could get Mm -hmm. stuck there for years.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely, uh, there were moments where I felt like pretty depressed about like what's next, Um, even though I, like I said, I had built that safety net. So even though you think you're doing everything you can to prepare, there's still like nothing you can do to truly like feel that or like know what that feels like until you're in it
0: yeah <laughs> like most things in life I think totally um, I totally. wanna dive back into the whole like pay thing because I think that's something that most people don't realize, and it's the same with like in my sport is the same we have uh like being on the national team, you have funding from the government, um even if you're on the national team, only if select people get it, and it's based off like the performance of the sport as a whole, males versus females um and yeah, it depends what sports get the funding based on the the past results, basically. And yeah, I pretty much I think one year I had the funding and it was like $500 a month or something like that. Like it's nothing. And when you're snowboarding, you're traveling, you're paying for all your travel expenses, you have coaches that are like maybe even $150 a day to pay to, to get coaching. So it's, it is pretty crazy to try to make things worse. Yeah, that
1: money runs pretty thin.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I think the best part of it was I got a free year of university once I retired so that was like actually worth more than the monthly oh, wow. stipend but right, yeah, yeah like exactly.
1: that could be anywhere from like what 20,000 to like 50,000 depending on did, did it like depend on where you went or was it like a flat rate uh, was it like state uh or I guess province uh tuition
0: I think it you could have used it if you went to the states I think too actually but um I don't remember if there's a limit or not my school was like pretty affordable because I'd already started university when I was snowboarding so it was all online so it was like I was paying per course so it wasn't too bad and I was never taking like a full full course load but yeah I think you could have like there were special provisions if you wanted to go to the states or do something else but I just yeah I used it the most basic way <laughs> I think but yeah like I I yeah let's I'd like to hear your thoughts about the whole pay thing because yeah, it's, it's hard. Like, it's really hard, and people don't realize how difficult it is because you're trying to make it to these pro leagues where people are getting paid millions of dollars versus you're having to, like, try to get a job or make ends meet mm-hmm. or do something to get there. Like, you don't have as m- many hours in the day or the energy, so it's extremely difficult to make that leap when you're getting paid so little.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where, like, specifically baseball is uh, in a position where they could pay their athletes more, yet they don't which is why we founded uh, Advocates for Minor Leaguers, which is our nonprofit where uh, we're truly like advocating on behalf of the minor leaguers because they have no one to give them a voice. They don't have a collective voice. Um, They don't have a union in the same way that um, the major league baseball players do. Um, And a lot of decisions are are being made on their behalf without them at the table which is right. for anyone representing them at the table. Uh, they sign a lot of their rights away early on in their career just for an opportunity, a chance, right? It's that narrative that we tell ourselves of living the dream of, of baseball and, and all the movies that we see. It's like really romanticizing um, the minor leagues to get to the pinnacle. Uh, but really, you're like, it's putting people in, in shitty situations that end up where they're, they can't afford to pay their, uh, their rent, they can't, like they have a wife and kids that they are trying to help provide, like be a part of the, the family. And it just ends up being that the you know, when you're making 1200 bucks a month, and then you have to go work in the off season, that's not, it's not going to cut it. (laughs) And then how can you even focus on your training too? So it, when you look at the other leagues, you look at the AHL, you look at the G League, and then you look at AAA, which is the equivalent. Yeah. AAA makes ten thousand dollars a season, whereas it's thirty five thousand and forty five thousand for the other two leagues. Yeah. And it's like that. How is that? How is that the case? Yeah. Ten thousand for the first year players in in AAA, which isn't something that you can live off year round. I argue that it would be in Major League Baseball's best interest to play the pay the players more. Those teams, because these guys could work out, they could pay the, like you were talking about, paying a strength coach, paying a uh, like a hitting coach, whatever, a pitching coach. That way, you can build your skills instead of driving Uber until four a.m.
0: That's yeah, that is, yeah, like that that's is so not true effective for training. No. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, like, that goes across a lot of different sports, but it seems really prevalent Um, just from watching your videos and just hearing you talk about it in baseball especially. Because, yeah, like you said, like, AHL players and all these different leagues are getting paid much more. And baseball could definitely, you know, fund the dollars. Like, I know in snowboarding and being, like, a national team sport, there's only so many dollars. And, like, they can only justify to taxpayers that this amount right. of money is going towards sport. And then the same thing, like, there's no – there's no like association or league. Like there's a world snowboard tour, but they're not paying athletes to be on the tour. I I don't know if the world surf league does that. I don't think they do, but they have really big prize money compared to um, the snowboard events. So it's mostly sponsorships and things like that. But um, yeah, right. like it's and that's
1: like, but that's like you were saying it's taxpayer money that would be going towards funding that. Right. And it's like, when you look at major league baseball, it's like, that's not taxpayer money. That's you could take 1.2 billion. 2- of those billion dollars in profits that you got last year, maybe put some of that towards paying these players,
0: right? Yeah. And I think
1: that's not to say that the, str- the struggles are all the same. It's just like, there's something that could be done right now to change that. And it's like the, the powers that be are, aren't being, fo- they don't have their feet on the fire right now to be forced to make those changes.
0: Right. Yeah, I wonder, I've been thinking a lot about those types of decisions, even with, like, I know the NHL is involved with trying to create some sort of women's league uh, for hockey and different things. And it's, like, with them being pressed right now to even get a season going, are they going to be investing into those other leagues, the minor leagues? Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to change a lot of things, like, with the decision-making because they're all, they have the excuse now to be, like, we're protecting what we have that we're losing. Totally. Totally interesting so what do you think about the ncaa news uh of recent
1: gosh i mean that's that's huge right and that was clearly forced because of the g league um yep. and what was going on there um they have to make it enticing for players to want to go into college but i think you and i could both speak to this uh, especially you uh with just the ability to market yourself as an athlete um and how important that is um, yeah. And now they can do that earlier, right? Because I know there was actually like, I think I remember there was some, uh, uh, it was a University of Central Florida football player who ended up quitting a couple of years ago because he was a YouTuber and they they were, the NCAA was like, you can't do this anymore because you're making money off your likeness because of the ad right. Or you're making money from you being a professional athlete. It's like, at what point, can you not do those? It's just such gray area anyway that it's yeah like, why can all these other like students be able to make money off their own themselves and leverage their situations, right? Yep. There's this great YouTuber that I, I've watched. He's a, a Harvard kid. And he like basically explains like what it's like to be a, a student at Harvard. How is that not leveraging the si- certain situation that you're in? to make money right and it's like if you can't if but because they're like amateurs it's like not everyone's on the same playing field there and you're like oh well they're getting paid because of scholarships i'm like that's not the same that is not that is not the yeah
0: same. no it's not at all and uh yeah i had someone who was messaging me after because i just posted my story like how huge it is for athletes and had some good messages and discussions with people who like responded back about their different thoughts about the ncaa and and how that also discriminates against like um lower income athletes who right. you know they need the money to, to send to their totally. family and they're getting all these dollars talked to them from other places and they can't take it but then they have to skip out on getting the schooling, which, you know, it could be beneficial to go to school and get the degree or just, you know, get some sort of education, even for a couple of years, but they're being enticed not to do that because they just have to like, you know, get the dollars any way that they can. So now I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a different playing field. A few people have been saying like, um, you know, they're worried about the younger athletes having to learn how to like manage negotiations and sponsorships totally. and things. And for me, like, I'm thinking back to the years that I was in my prime with snowboarding, and it was totally the same years I would have been in school. So realistically, in most other sports, like your prime years are those college years right. where you are, well, they have
1: the colleges have resources to do that, which is like, that's they, true, they can They have you. plenty of resources that they come in and have finance people talk to the athletes, and like that's managing true. your finances or, or whatever. Like, this is just another program that they could implement. I don't yes, think that, like, that's true. The, the universities have plenty of money in order to help fund these programs to teach athletes w- when it comes to, like, say, student athlete committee. They could put on an event that, uh, like, uh, a lunch and learn or whatever it is, um, some sort of presentation, even like, yeah, making it a mandatory thing with the teams of, like, okay, like, so you you have X, Y, and Z. And now it's like, all of them can make money. It's it. And that, I mean, that's huge. It's not even just like the, the athletes that would be in the profitable sports. Right. Like right. think about the niche that you can carve out when it comes to say, you're a, a female golfer and you're an NCA female golfer, right? That niche you could carve out for yourself. Like it's not a huge sport when it comes to, um, like eyeballs, right? Or even sailing a good example is sailing. Yeah. Um, but I, when I was at Boston College, we had the the number one sailing team in the like, we won national champions all the time. No one knew. But those athletes could now leverage that into like a, a true like niche and, and build an audience and and make some money so that they're set up, they have a business for when they're done after those four years of school
0: right exactly because yeah i think a lot of people are focusing more on like the decision based on like the g league it really forced their hand to make that decision for pro basketballers um, footballers all those
1: if you were going to give advice to a a college athlete like if they were watching right now what would be the advice you would give them What, what platform would they you try and have them build their audience on and what what kind of content would you have them make
0: Oof, that's hard because like the rise of TikTok, I would say TikTok, but you almost, you still need that like pillar platform, like an Instagram where you're still <laughs> directing people. And I think that's why TikTok has the link to Instagram or YouTube. YouTube. yeah. So I would say like, definitely they can really easily get on Instagram. I'm sure if they're in college, they have a photographer for their team or whatever their sport is, that they're getting content that they can easily use. Um, but then when it comes to TikTok, that's where they're going to have to get creative of actually creating their own content. But I think that's, like, super quick to blow up, as, you know, you and I could talk about further. Um, it could blow up pretty quickly when it comes to those things and do, yeah. like, behind-the-scenes vlogs. Like, I actually – I tried today, and uh, I'll have to finish it off, but doing a 15-second vlog. So, just, like, my coffee, like, like mm-hmm. 0.5 seconds of little yeah. things I did throughout my day, my workout. I was editing video, this, this, this. And it's super quick and easy. They don't have to hire out like some video editor. I've had to do that for my vlogs because they just take so long to go through. You know, you have like a 20 minute vlog on YouTube. It's it's not easy to sit down and edit that. No, and and also
1: like the buried entry too, right? You're like, hey, watch this 15 minute video of mine versus watch this 15 second video. Yeah. It's very different, right? And it's like, wow, like I love Natalie. And you like start watching, then you're like, I want more. So then the demand is higher and you're like, okay, like I can do longer vlogs and, and then you like go to YouTube and you're like, okay, check out my, I'll do a Q and A on Instagram. Right. And it's, yep. it's those kind of things where you can like, you, once you earn that you can then branch out and do more things. It could, when there's, but first, like it's hard enough to get eyeballs on something and by doing something like that, like a vlog, like a mini vlog, yeah gets people to want more and it's also like yeah especially for an athlete you were like yeah you're gonna start making 15 minute videos and you're like not everyone's cam newton can afford a video editor like a shooter and an editor it's like not everyone can do that so start or can teach themselves
0: like Like, athletes time is super valuable like they're not gonna sit down and yeah it it is really true i know when i started off like there wasn't any TikTok or anything and so i think my first Yeah, my first platform was Twitter. That's where I used to reach out to sponsors and things like that. And then after Twitter, like, I obviously had Facebook and whatever. And then snowboard videos that I created, I put on Vimeo because it was, like, for some reason, it was, like, the place for snowboarders to put their, like, season edits and stuff like that. It was because it was more of a creative than, like, YouTube was, YouTube was a little bit different. So then I started doing some vlogs on YouTube and, like, vlogs of my friends, recaps of all the different events, like, every weekend. And then vimeo was like longer form blog. so like i put together like a preseason and different things and that was interesting and then yeah then it went to instagram and then you could hype up through instagram what you're doing on these other longer form platforms and then yeah obviously now tiktok but tiktok right. the discoverability is so high like i saw someone he's he was posting about uh do you guys ever wonder what how, the amount of gear that a d1 athlete gets and he put it out and laid it on his bed and, totally like, just up like the gear. there's
1: so much educational content that like something that an athlete like I would take for granted how much stuff I get. But even that idea of just like, this is what you get. And it was like, I remember, what did we call it? Like Chris, it was like, Oh, it's Christmas. It's like that time, like Christmas in September or something like that. I forget what we called it, but yeah. it was something was along those lines. Um, yeah, totally. And you just like, it's just an understood thing that happens. But when you're outside of that, you don't realize like a lot of the cool things that happen or that other people would find interesting
0: who aren't sports
1: fans, right?
0: Yeah, I you know what I I was thinking the other day when I was on TikTok was I wish that I had TikTok in my snowboard career because all those yeah. little things like there wasn't even Instagram stories at that oh, time. Oh,
1: imagine yet. attaching a GoPro to you and just. Like, oh yeah, and
0: just like goofing off I I probably have I'm gonna have to look through all my old footage on my old hard drive. footage. I'm
1: doing the same thing. Yeah,
0: because right I think that could be beneficial. But like during the the moments where yeah, it was the same thing. Like you get this big shipment from your sponsors and it's like all your new gear for the season. Or you go to an event and you get like your bib. Like, what what do you get at the registration table? Like, all those things right, are so cool. Yeah. But no one, except for my friends who were there with me, ever knew about it. Like, no one knows right. all those cool behind the scenes. And, um, yeah, I, I recorded a video in my backyard like two days ago about athletes and social media. And I was just editing it before we hopped on this. And I was talking the exact same thing about how I started a vlog and how it it kind of attracted like the younger athletes and people who are looking at the behind the scenes because they were able to see like those, those things that people don't post. Like a lot of athletes, they just post hype. Like if you look on most college athletes or pro athletes, they post once every month or two months, like this photo of them in their sport, like that the team photographer took and that's it. They don't do anything in between. Yeah. And then, you know, they think that they're doing pretty well because, you know, they already, their name is in the news every day. They have like this big following and then they post just a photo of them, like winning a game or scoring the goal or whatever it is. But if they built a vlog or something else that went behind the scenes and showed everybody everything that's going on behind the scenes, they would blow up way bigger than, like, just yeah. them posting photos. What do you
1: think is is stopping athletes from doing something like
0: that? I, You know, for me, it was, like, it was weird to put myself out there like that. Like, I would sit in my room and talk about, like, my feelings about my training and, like, what I was doing next. And, like, you know, it's awkward to open up. And I think as an athlete, too, like, you don't – there's a stigma with your other athletes that you don't want to look like a tryhard. Like you want to be kind of cool totally. to your peers, but you don't realize yep. the peers aren't the ones paying you or they're not your fans. Right. Like, that, was, yeah. um,
1: that was definitely something I ran into dur- during my playing career was like, if I did a video and then I go into the clubhouse, um, like what are people saying uh, yeah. about like me or, or whatever? It's like a lot of, yeah, that stigma of your teammates for sh- is definitely real
0: yeah i i think that's probably the biggest one like it that is a huge one and i still see it a lot i'm just talking to younger athletes too they have the exact same feelings they're like well you know but all my teammates are going to say this or that's you know people i'm point, competing though, against yeah
1: of like they're not they're not the ones that pay you they're not they're not your audience right you no know? like you don't have like you can be cool with them but they're not the people that you're uh looking to even have conversation with like they're you're the people that you see every single day anyway. So exactly. I, I yeah. totally agree with that. That makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't, yeah. And I don't really know, you know, when young athletes ask about that, it, there's no good answer. It's like, well, you you have to kind of just get over that initial like fear of being judged by your peers, but mm-hmm. there's no, there's no like step plan. Like you do That's something my and all of a sudden back it's there, gone. By the
1: way. You can see my brother back there, by the way.
0: Hey, <laughs> awesome. Does your brother play any sports as well?
1: No, but he was always a better athlete than me <laughs> growing up. He, I'm serious. He was like he could throw harder than me. He was faster than me. Everything. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. He was always such a better athlete. Cheers. He's also <laughs> he also has the same drink.
0: Oh wow! Well, uh, someone um, just commented. Come back and watch. The movie. Awesome. I will put this up in my story for 24 hours after, so you can always come back. <laughs>
1: amazing.
0: I'm also going to try to download it. I've been using Google Chrome to download the live.
1: You can, yeah, I think you can do that now, right? It's like you can watch the lives on your uh, computer now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I heard Instagram stories is coming up with new fonts. And I've seen some people already have it, but I don't have it.
1: New fonts? Oh, yep.
0: wow. Yeah. New new stuff is coming. It's on the way.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So let's let's dive into like what you're doing now because like obviously you built that whole you know your whole thing about creating content while you were an athlete and now pretty much that's that's what you do so i'd love to learn more about like the whole living in la and creating content thing because i feel like it's like every person on social media is like let's move to la and create content
1: right yeah yeah exactly every vine person that lives on (laughs) it's 1600 vine now uh very on the nose there's no uh tiktok street here in la so (laughs) uh or maybe there is i don't know uh Kesha probably lives on it or something. Oh,
0: uh, gosh.
1: But uh yeah, so now like individually, uh like outside of work, not only I make content at work, but outside I I do sketch comedy. Um before all this went down, I was training at UCB, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Um it like doing improv there. Um and now I've uh like doing sketch comedy with uh, another former athlete. Well, he's still like he's in limbo, uh, Ty Kelly. <laughs> so he's, um, he's a former big leaguer with the Mets, the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Oh,
0: uh, Toronto, but, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, he was there for like five days, I think. And then okay, he went so back not- to the Mets. They, he was just like there for a hot second and then went back to the Mets um, or to the Phillies. I, I think it was Mets, then Toronto and then the Phillies. Like how it does all one get fast.
0: five days on one team? Like, how did that yeah, happen?
1: I, think it, I forget, like, how the roster move happened. I forget how it happened, but it was a wild story. Um, so he and I are, like, our writing partners, and also, like, we do sketch comedy as well. Um, he helped a lot, a lot with the Homeless Minor Leaguer videos. Um, and now we're just, like, trying to establish ourselves in the comedy space um, and as, like, writers and producers um so there's that there's also like a couple things i'm working on that are going to be launching next week i don't want (laughs) to tease those out yet um but really excited excited about that um and also working with ty ty is a a great writing partner um and just like creative like a producing partner in general so that's that's what i'm doing a lot of and then just like individually make making silly TikTok videos. I think that's like I think what's nice about TikTok is that you can shoot something real quick and feel like you accomplished something. Like and <laughs> I'm not I don't know if that's the like should be the bar, but at least if it's like a small win for the day, you're like okay. And then there's like you can like start looking at larger projects. Um it's it's a lot easier when you can like build up those like smaller project kind of like in the same way of like, no one wants to watch a, a 15 minute vlog until you've made that like people interested in those 15 seconds for those first 15 seconds. And that same yep. way of like, no one's gonna check out your screenplay unless you've proved that you can do something on a smaller scale and like kind of work your way up, right? And so it's like,
0: super easy, there's no barrier, like get yeah, out your exactly. phone and All you need is seconds. this thing
1: that we all have right here, our phones.
0: Yeah, the the Navy Seal that uh, said that we should all make our beds to like feel a sense of accomplishment when we wake up totally. is gonna be really really upset that you just said that TikTok is the same concept. Making a TikTok, and, yeah, and making, you feel a TikTok accomplished. And making
1: your bed. Those are like those are exactly the same right there.
0: Perfect. So if anyone is watching this and they're wondering like they feel like unproductive in quarantine, I think you just need to make a couple TikToks and you're you're couple good. T- that <laughs> yeah, that's exactly.
1: It. A Couple good TikToks. for the day uh maybe shoot out a tweet as well because you know like everyone you have like a really good thought you gotta like send that out you can't oh, just yeah. have that sitting here by yourself or like if your brother's here and just like tell him <laughs> i could just tell him too instead of tweeting it out but
0: oh yeah no you gotta tweet it for the world and right, then you just can tell, tell him to accomplish. check your twitter
1: right, yeah exactly <laughs> you should say, go check out my twitter yeah
0: <laughs> do you still post pretty often on twitter because i yeah twitter was my first platform and now i kind of died off like i'll I'll try to go on it for a couple things. But no,
1: you kind of like you have to be talking about stuff that's in the moment. Right. It's like um, I think Craig Ferguson said it best. And I don't think anyone said it better since he did. He there's like three rules. It's like, does it have to be said at all? Does this thing in particular have to be said? Does it have to be said by you? Mm. Like, are you an authority on this? And if those are both true, does it need to be said? by you right now, right? Need to be said right now. And that like definitely applies when it comes to uh, social media and specifically Twitter, I think makes a lot of sense. Because if it's like, sure, something could be said, and like, would be funny, but if it's not at the right time, like you gotta like Twitter, you got to read the room, like what's everyone else talking about? You can't just hop in like, Twitter is you just sending out a a goofy tweet or like something that you think is funny, when everyone's talking about um, the passing of some celebrity and you're like, Oh, dude, read the room. (laughs) Right? It's like, that's, that's essentially like you're walking into a conversation and being like, what about this video that I have? Right? And it's like, dude, we were talking about climate change like what are you yeah. what do you why are you bringing that thing up and it's like you need that's to be true. aware of the conversation that's being happening that's happening on there and if you're not if you're if you can't keep up to date with it and that's why it feels like twitter feels like a full-time job a lot of times because and it is some people's full-time jobs and especially yeah. journalists who have to be on the news um that's when it is uh super important to just be like
0: on it yeah, it's, it's been something I'm like, well, do I want to get back into it? But, like, I know even in, in my business and for my clients, it's not hugely beneficial based on, like, their own Instagram and other platforms. Yeah, it's not easily platform. monetizable, right? No, like, at the start, I think my first client, they were actually already had a pretty good Twitter base, and so the, like, the local community was pretty active with them on Twitter, but since then, we've grown their Facebook so exponentially that, like, Twitter kind of you know, it's still relevant. And so we post everything that we put on Facebook and Instagram still over there, but it's not something that it's like, you know, before that was a proper checking every day and adding to conversations, seeing what's going on locally. And now it's just not really like that anymore. Yeah. Cause it's just, yeah, it could be. I, a, I find TikTok,
1: you also have to kind of be on it. Right. In order yeah. to know what the conversation is, it kind of falls into that same thing as Twitter. Whereas you can also post within your like, niche in your like subgroup but if you want to show up on the for you page you kind of have to be aware of what everyone else is talking about
0: yeah
1: right exactly
0: yeah
1: and that's why it's so important you uh, like to be self-aware on that platform and not do old trends
0: like (laughs) people are very
1: aggressive towards like if you do an old trend and what that means
0: yeah are you all that's like the people
1: this ceo ceo of old trends and you're like (laughs) what, like, I- I'm not allowed to do this particular trend right now, like, just because it was, like, two months late?
0: Oh, it's not wild. even two weeks late. People are, <laughs> okay, yeah, people on TikTok are savage. I, but I remember, Do
1: you remember when you were a kid, though, and, and someone was like, oh, have you heard this new song? And you're like, yeah, dude, that's, like, a, a three days old, and, like, people are yelling, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> like, like, you look back at that stuff now, and you're like, that's so stupid, but people said that shit. Like, they're so old. This is so dumb and old.
0: Yeah, The last time I heard that I fell off my dinosaur. Right, yeah,
1: exactly. And you're like, but I think that's kind of the mindset on TikTok, right, is that it is such a a Gen Z audience that a lot of the things it's like, you're like, oh, that's so old. Like you you constantly have to be on the new trend, which is such a typical thing of like, yeah, dude, that song came out last week. Okay, have you not heard that? (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: So I, that was yeah, trending
1: last week. But I, that's it's, why it's like at some point, um, like early adopters have a, a, an easier time with it, right? Like people are a lot more accepting of a trend, yeah. And then as it gets further along the timeline, it's like your idea needs to be really transformative in order for people to not be upset that it's an old trend or just not care. Right. It's like, Oh, this is a really old trend. Yeah. Right? So I think it has to be super transformative. I think you can go back and look at like retro trends and that, especially in quarantine. I I've been seeing a bunch of people doing this, of like taking an old trend from like a few months ago. Like you can put a whole new twist on it now because of quarantine.
0: Yeah. And all the new people who are coming onto the platform. Yeah, the so new, They don't know.
1: They don't know that. They don't know the old trends. I've been seeing That's, less yeah. of people calling people out for old trends because there's just like, like the flip the switch challenge was so old. It was oh like my gosh, from yeah. October. And Although, blew uh, up. yeah,
0: if I see it now, I'm like, mm,
1: right. I but now, yeah. but now it's too mainstream. But what I'm saying is that when A Rod and J Lo did it, and then Elizabeth Warren and uh, uh, what's her name? SNL. Uh, that was so
0: funny. That was the best they, one.
1: right? Sure. They did it, they did it. It was great. But I'm saying that cut through to the mainstream to get everyone else to do it, yet that challenge happened back in October. So it revitalized the challenge. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot on TikTok is the novelty of celebrities being on there. And just even like kids of celebrities bringing their adult, like their celebrity parents on to their TikTok. Oh yeah,
0: that's huge. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. is a huge trend, yeah it's been interesting to see the yeah to see the growth and see recently with everyone hopping on it because of the quarantine like the blinding lights challenge there's still families who are just joining and doing it but it's like so old like it's almost like everyone's right but
1: but the thing is too is you don't want to discourage those people because then they'll leave the platform and they won't post right? right so you so even like TikTok as a platform might be incentivized to encourage those right it's like oh if these, maybe yeah. these are like your first level tiktoks who knows it's like that maybe they're like okay yeah yeah, yeah. maybe there's a whole layer to that it's like we don't want to discourage people off the platform so when it's one of their first few posts we're going to throw it on the for you page a lot that's i've heard I, that theory a times i've
0: heard that theory yeah and i i think that so like i was i was listening to a live the other day and it was um the girl who wrote what was the book no filter about instagram and she, it just, mm-hmm. I think it was recently released and it was going in about like how they, someone, it was someone, a person who was curating the explore page. So like someone specifically was wow. going in and deciding what was going to be shown. And it was based a lot on like, you know, celebrity stuff, um, you know, things that could then get monetized as they're trying to monetize the platform. And so, yeah, I, that, that girl that you told me to follow on TikTok, she was saying today, Maddie. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: she's
0: great yeah she was really good and she's talked today about um uh what was she saying oh that you're seeing more content that could easily be branded to show businesses how they can sponsor TikToks and and get that and so it's like i i do believe that someone is playing a role it's not completely algorithmic i think that there's like a lot of culture involved of like okay this is something that we want to see take off because it'll attract brands to the platform which you know i i think that might be like one of the reasons why for example like fitness content is good because all of a sudden all these supplement brands and different brands are liking my stuff and i'm like well it might be because they're seeing the opportunity on tiktok to sponsor fitness so tiktok might want to promote more fitness influencers right. to come onto tiktok yeah, like what what
1: uh what platforms or what what demos are they trying to get more of?
0: Yeah. I yeah, it's it's yeah, it is interesting. It's like I don't net, know what's like will Netflix do with.
1: making reality TV shows. Yeah, They're like we need to fill this white space on our own platform. It's like what white space exists uh to grow a new audience on uh TikTok. You saw Netflix saw an increase. Granted, it was because of quarantine as well, but they also increased their reality shows, like five times, like exponentially. And you saw uh, 16 million uh, subscriber growth over this quarantine time. And it's like, oh, okay, where where does the other white space exist? And I'm sure TikTok as a platform is looking like, who isn't on our platform right now? And how can we get those people here? And how can we get them once they're here engaged?
0: Yeah. And that's that's the name of the game. Like when people ask me, like, how can I grow on any social media platform? You have to think that every single platform and every Understood. single algorithm yeah. is trying to get people to stay on the platform for longer. So if stay you can on create the platform, content.
1: Either staying on the platform. Well, yeah. It, they're, they're having them stay on the platform so they can monetize them, right? It's like they're right. always just trying to figure out how they can monetize, right? So it's like, I've even thought about this when I, like a few years ago, um, I thought about this when it came to dating apps, right? What are they trying to incentivize? Are they trying to incentivize conversations? Or are they trying to incentivize you to swipe? Like what, and, and power swipers, right? even just thinking through stuff like that? Are they, they're trying to encourage you to pay? Well, it's like, okay, what, basically, when, when are you going to pay up, right? It's like, at what point yeah. are you going to pay up? Or is there going to be a toll, right? And the toll might be your time might just right. be attention or it might be um hey come check out behind this paywall right and i think that's like when you look at dating apps a lot of times it is like there's all these people that want us that really like you and then it's like well you can't see yeah. that stuff <laughs> you can't see that. right exactly yeah. it's it's like well you can for a fee and it's like that yeah. same thing of like well, hey, they like they want to see my content. Let them see my content. It's that same way with Facebook. How they like these people pressed follow, or on YouTube they press subscribe. They want to see my content. Let them see my content. And I think now you got to pay initiative. to boost, that, yeah. Right, and that, then there's yeah, it's the whole, the whole thing of like they they're, they're going to force you as the creator to boost. Like that's where you have to like. Oh, your like followers can see your stuff for a price. And it's like, that's not how it should be. It should be on the other end. I think it should be on the consumer end. I don't think it should be on the creator's end. That they they should have to pay. And I think that's where Facebook falls, where someone like TikTok, I think it's very brand like friendly, whereas Vine wasn't, right? A lot of those creators left because they couldn't monetize that platform enough in order to get creators paid and all the creators were like okay we're all leaving if you don't pay us and they're like we're not paying you and then they left and then their platform died so but i yep. think tiktok does a better job when it comes to branded content and especially how they they've built out uh their platform right um and you when you click on a hashtag you can see that it's like the official uh videos when you click on a branded hashtag you see all the official videos that means that those are like paid advertisements essentially but i think the the best example i remember is the ihop one do you remember the ihop one no
0: so it's basically I like
1: everyone went to it was like everyone was like playing with the you know how the ihop uh syrups are like they look like mouths almost when you can like open them up
0: we don't have I-
1: international house of pancakes okay or actually uh, maybe
0: we do have ihop i don't know but maybe, we don't have IHOP that's, anywhere a, near
1: that's here. another but that's another thing too maybe there's like also um like gated uh content too so like maybe the hashtags you're seeing in canada are not the same as the ones i've oh. seen in the united states i've
0: seen some canadian hashtags actually like um yeah there there are canadian like a tim content. hortons yeah uh have i seen a tim hortons one i don't know if i have or not maybe there's been a few different trends that are very canadian specific though that i have seen yeah
1: that's interesting yeah um what like are there uh, yeah i guess like what brands it are like on like Canadian brands are on TikTok that you've seen that are like oh wow this is like pretty innovative
0: uh I saw the other day Shopify commented on my post and they had just started their account so, did they
1: comment on it because you mentioned Shopify
0: no it had nothing to do with Shopify at all Interesting. it was I think my fitness one but like Shopify is an Ottawa company and uh they had someone like like we were talking about how like it's good to have a brand being represented by a person so they had someone who's like working people from home people yeah it could honestly be someone that knows me because shopify is ottawa based from where i am so who knows i didn't i didn't recognize the person but yeah shopify yeah they commented on my thing and now i've seen that they're doing a lot more from home content but i mean there's not a lot of canadian brands on it right now and that's usually the case when it comes to what about when canadian it comes to brands is
1: like is what is it tsn Oh yeah,
0: there are some sports channels. That's interesting. Yeah, they're starting to get on. slowly, (laughs) things in Canada usually they trickle. Do they take a model?
1: Do they take a model like ESPN or like Sports Center, where like now it's basically from Omar or whatever It's like it's 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 Uh, hey hi I'm Omar I'm this or like same thing with the Washington Post.
0: Not on their Instagram. I haven't seen their TikTok. If it's which which way they're using it, I know on their Instagram it's pretty like. You know, basic content, yeah. but it's not yeah coming from a person directly. Interesting. Yeah, I think Barstool is one of the first people who like kind of took that off a little bit
1: on like, YouTube uh, or on TikTok.
0: No, like on Instagram, even With just the like UTC getting
1: see content.
0: Yeah, getting more of like a personal, I guess, curated feed and yeah. personal voice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're annoying, but I <laughs> I respect. Um, how they've grown their following, but yeah.
0: Respect the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so I have some quick, quick cues. Sure. And I don't know if, like, I, this live, because it, if it's it after an hour, if, it, it might end. If it ends, I'll just come back on. Okay, all right, that's cool. Yeah, the first one I did, the same thing happened. So, okay, quick, quick random questions. And by the way, anyone who's tuning in, you can totally ask a question, and uh, yeah, we'll try to get to it. And hopefully if this ends, I'll remember your question if you did type it in. But... What is who is your favorite athlete and what is your favorite athlete quote?
1: Hmm. Oh, gosh, I'm not like a big quote person anymore. I feel like I used to. Oh, I don't know if I have a quote.
0: I feel like at one time every athlete had like quotes. Yeah, like on their like wall a quote <laughs>
1: that like I thought about getting a tattoo of, and then I was like, oh, oh, God, I didn't too. get that. Mm-hmm. You know. um, I don't know. Um, I do like this quote. Um, I forget where I heard it. It's like, um, what have you earned the right to talk about? And just like always asking myself that question of like, what have you actually earned the right to talk about?
0: What are you an authority
1: yeah. on? What do people, cause like, it also, it like grounds you and humbles you a little bit of like, what do you, um, what are you qualified? not to like diminish you at all, but like, what do people want to hear from you? Yeah, what's like something you've earned the right to talk about and you would be proud like saying like, yeah, like, I like, I'm an authority in this space or like, I, I know what I'm talking about, right? It's it's not a like, not to diminish you as a person, right? What have you earned the right to talk about? But like, what have you earned the right to talk about in the sense of how, what are you good at conveying? Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'd say that would be a quote, an athlete that I admire. Um... Gosh, uh, I think there's little bits and pieces. I think Hunter Pence is a a great person, um, especially like in the clubhouse, how he was as a teammate. Um, Like I got to witness that when he came on Rehab Starts, but I also like um, got to know him and and his wife uh, because I had done videos with them in the past. Um, But I think like Hunter as an athlete and just his uh, resiliency um, coming back uh, when the Giants were like, oh no, like, like, we're going to give you your send-off. And then he's like, well, I'm not done playing. And then went to the Dominican, played down there, and then signed with the, the Rangers, made the team out of spring training, and then ended up being an all-star. And then the Giants brought him back. Like, that's absurd that a that's team bad. gave you a send-off, and you were like, no, I'm not done <laughs> playing. And then you end up back with them. They want, they, you did so well the year before. The team that was, like, willing to let you go brought you back because you, like, did so well and also like his ability to, I think he does a really good job of, of seeing something and saying like, Oh, I can like not looking like someone hits a 400 foot home run. And like, Whoa, that's, that's insane. It's like, wow, that's so cool. How can I do that? He always is like, what can I learn from that person? Um, so he just really has good that, like, to think about learning it, yeah. mentality. So I'd say the yeah, those two things.
0: Awesome. Okay, my timer says it I this is a new thing because Instagram didn't warn me last time, but it says twenty-four seconds and it's like counting down. Okay. we'll hold yeah.
1: for que- we'll hold questions until we restart this then.
0: Yeah, let's uh let, let me press end and then restart okay. it. Okay. Perfect. All right, we're back. So anyone who uh dealt with us chatting for an hour, you get more of us. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a great thing. Here we are. So by the way, anyone who is joining, you can totally submit questions. And if you just like joined because you saw we just went live and you missed the whole first part, I'm chatting with Matt. He was a minor league baseball player with the San Francisco Giants and a social producer at Uninterrupted, doing awesome stuff on uh, when it comes to production and entertainment and social media and all that cool stuff. So if you have any questions for either of us regarding anything about sports, uh, sports entertainment, sports sponsorship, sport marketing social media fire away and then i'm gonna continue firing some quick paced questions at you
1: i love it let's do it awesome
0: all right so where would you be if you had never been an athlete
1: Mm. frankie if i was never an athlete what what was what would i have done because like i said frankie was always the better athlete growing up
0: maybe you would have been like a professional gamer. A gamer?
1: Oh. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but
0: now that's an athlete. Like now that's considered yeah, yeah, a Yeah, sport. the lines are blurred there. Um,
1: yeah. I don't know. I, I, the only reason why I played guitar growing up is because girls liked it. Um, <laughs> that was it. Uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, I really got into sports psych in college. So if I never played pro ball, Um, I might be doing that because I don't even think I would have gone on my trajectory in digital. Um, I had um, after uh, or my senior year, I applied to BU um, for sports psych. I got into the master's program there. So I was going to go and then I signed with the Giants. So obviously I couldn't do that uh, while also playing and collecting a ton of debt. <laughs> uh, on top of that already when it comes to minor league baseball.
0: Yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. I actually applied, was it two years ago, two or three years ago, I think two years ago for a bunch of different master's programs in sports. Like I was super into it. And I like didn't even know if I would ever do anything with it. Cause I already have, like, I've had my business for six years, but I was just so into it that I was like, I needed to pursue yeah. it further. Cause you know, I went to university for business. And so all my electives were psychology and it was so interesting. And mm -hmm. I love the whole mindset of sports. So, but then I realized, yeah, you (laughs) you couldn't go back to school with running a business. It's a lot
1: of school. And and then it's another year of uh, your like uh, internship or whatever it is in the, in the last year or it's a whole year. So it's like two years of school and then a third year of like your internship. And I was like, I wouldn't be able to do that. So if I was, if I was getting it, during my career, I could have done it. I could have every single off season gone back to BU and done every fall semester. But so that would be four years, which I would have been able to do, but then like to have the foresight, like I I'm so glad I didn't do that. Cause I'm, I, yeah. I'm loving what I'm doing now. And I feel like it's the right path for me
0: as yeah. opposed to
1: like working with athletes on their psyche. And I think yeah. that was also like, something that was like opening Pandora's box to me was uh, was getting into the mental game. I thought for sure of like once it's a uh, th- this really good quote. It's um, you re- it's it's specifically for baseball, but it's guys that make it are either really smart or they're really stupid. All the other <laughs> guys just think themselves out of the game. And I was like, that that really makes a lot of sense because I played with a lot of guys who don't really aren't, aren't cerebral in that way. Yeah. and they're just so good at shutting off because baseball, you have to just have a completely shut off mindset. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, or you have to be so smart, and just with it that you can assess everything every situation, um, and, and really have the emotional intelligence uh, to play the game at that high of level.
0: Yeah, that is such a powerful quote. I I just want to repeat it that it was like you you either have to be really smart or really stupid. And, you know, that comes, that's really relevant in a lot of sports. And I Mm -hmm. see it a lot, even when I was snowboarding, because think about like the fear of, you know, hitting these 100 foot jumps or 80 foot jumps or whatever it is like you're about to do. And, you know, as Like, that was one of my issues was like, I'm always overthinking, I'm thinking like, if I fall, I catch the mind. as I take off.
1: It's clear mind and totally, you know what I wish I did back when I was during my playing career was uh, improv class. Like, I feel like that would have helped because that completely gets you out of your head and into just like the present moment, totally. Like, I think that that would have been something if I could go back and tell myself something or any like any athletes, my advice would be to like, try out an improv class, because yeah. it gets you out of that mindset where, like you said, where you're about to go on a run. You can't be in that in that the prefrontal cortex or whatever, like the aware part of like, Oh, what am I doing? Am I doing this with my hands? Am I doing this? And like, how's no, my body? Am I yeah. this? Like, you just have to like be in flow. Or if you're not in flow, you just have to like trust. Yeah, and I think that's like, um, something that improv teaches you is that if you're not in flow, which a lot of times like in improv, you're not going to be in flow. You just have to trust that it's going to come to you. You have to trust right. that the thought that's going to propel you to the next thing and like engage with the other person is going to be there. You just have to trust. And I think the same thing holds true to sports.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> Somewhat in life too. Uh, my My dad and I have conversations about like, don't we wish that we just like didn't know some of the things we did about the world and just like-
1: Pandora's box, yeah.
0: Everything was just super chill. Like anything that yeah. happens, whatever. But you start thinking about things and think further about the market and all these things. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> it's it gets overwhelming. Yeah. Well, all right. Next question. Oh, and someone asked me during that where I'm from and I'm from Canada. <laughs> they said, what country? <laughs> um, uh, okay, so the next question is, what athlete do you think utilizes social media the best that you've seen? And it could be like a, like one of the best pro athletes. It doesn't have to be like some underground athlete, like someone well-known probably. Yeah, no, I,
1: I think on TikTok, I think Hunter Woodhall does a really good job.
0: I'm going to follow. Uh,
1: Naomi Osaka does a really good job on TikTok too. She's really funny and you get to know her personality a ton.
0: Have you uh, seen um, Lolo.
1: Yeah, Lolo Jones. And she yeah. might even be – she was on the last live stream that I did. Um, she popped in. But, yeah, Lolo is great. Um, yeah. She's super funny. She's yeah, just, like, I just a, found a, her she's TikTok. at social media. And, like, yeah. yeah, it's personality. And just, like, really showing your personality as an athlete I think is so important for people getting on your side and and really humanizes you. Um, I think baseball struggles with that. Yeah. I think they're getting better at it, especially during quarantine. Uh, and with the um, the Players League, MLB, the show Players League that's going on, where you just get to know these players on a more intimate level, because um, right now is the time where uh, we would be watching baseball, but we're not. And instead, we're watching them play video games. And you get to talk a lot more. You get to show your personality a lot more when you're playing video games, uh, right. as opposed to baseball, where um, you're kind of conditioned at a young age to keep your head down and play the game the right way. And that's just not the case in other leagues where the the contracts are set up where you're encouraged to get endorsements and endorsements mean you need to share your personality. Whereas baseball, all the contracts are set up, like the most money you can get is from the team and not from endorsement deals. Whereas in the NBA, right. there's max contracts. So you're really incentivized as an athlete, uh, or I'm sorry, as a baseball player, to keep your head down, not just at a young age, are you told that you're supposed to play the game the right way. Your agent and you are both incentivized to not show your personality because you don't want to disrupt the system.
0: Interesting. Because you want to get
1: your big contract. So when it comes to baseball players right now, you're getting to know a lot more of them because there's, there's all this time that where the eyeballs would have been on them. And now they're still on them. Because baseball right. had to work with all to start that players league.
0: Interesting, yeah. Like I found that definitely NBA and NFL—that's where you see that the players with that are showing the most personality. Then it comes to NHL, MLB, and then a lot of female sports as well and yeah. female athletes that just they struggle with using social media and putting themselves out there to build the audience. And I—I I had no idea that that was one of the reasonings behind baseball players specifically. That's, that's a
1: theory. I'd say that's a theory of my right opinion.
0: um I think it's pretty relevant like if if there's not that huge upside for you or there is but you're not yeah, like thinking would, about why it why would then... you be
1: incentivized to do it right exactly. why, would you, why would you ruffle people's feathers if there wasn't uh, a monetary like or if it was in your best interest monetarily to keep quiet
0: right yeah that and totally also the whole sense. system
1: of the game is built like that too like play the game the right way it's like a it's a, a game of tradition
0: yeah yeah that's that's interesting i saw um there's a hockey player and he created a podcast during this time and he it was like cool that he like was getting out of his shell and then he posted about how like that's been eye-opening for him to see the impact that he's creating through that before you know a lot of the hockey players they just post about you know their their big win and this one photo of them you know they, they post like their photo with their family at christmas and then a photo every couple months the playoff photo
1: whatever the this different
0: photo the summer golf with the boys photo but none of it is like giving something to your audience versus if you're Mm -hmm. creating like all this entertaining content or even helpful content where you're like getting insights from other people through podcasts and your different things all of a sudden you get that validation whether even if it's not financial of just like making an impact with people and helping people and seeing that people for sure and i think that keeps people going but the athletes who'd never like get to that step they don't go deeper into actually going in and doing that then they don't feel like there's any value for them to be posting on social media but once they start and i think this quarantine will help with that they realize that they're connecting with people they're making an impact and that in itself is like payment
1: right no for sure yeah that,
0: that makes a ton of sense interesting would you say you're a person that has always has a plan or doesn't have a plan
1: I, I'm very regimented uh, and like process based.
0: Baseball.
1: Based, it's like yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm I I normally have a plan, um, but sometimes it's too many plans, and you have to like trim that because it's like very aspirational. Oh yeah. And if you if like goals, if you set them too high, you are like you can really. And even like routines and, and standards for yourself, if you set them too high, you can really set yourself up to be discouraged uh, if yep. you don't achieve those. Um, so it's always, and especially like during this time of quarantine, it's, it's really like curbing your expectations for yourself. Um, I, I don't think, um, and, and moving forward now, like when we're out of quarantine, I'm definitely gonna be uh, easier on myself, I think, because I'm learning that like, even if you have a lot of time, there's still like certain things that take your attention that you don't realize do. Um, And so I I think setting your expectations, not lower, um, but less expectations. Not not that you have to lower your expectations, but not putting as many on yourself so that you spread yourself so thin. Not many, not as many goals, not as many projects, not as many, not as much. Right. And they like saying no for yourself so that you can achieve those other goals. So you're, that you're not discouraged.
0: Yeah. I, I really like that. And that's something I struggle with too. I create so many plans and say, like, I have all these habits that I want to start. I'm like, okay, every day I need to be doing this, 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 all of a sudden you list like 20 new habits. You can't, ju- mm-hmm. you can't learn 20 habits in one day. Time. Like, no. It's just not going to happen. You've got to build, like, one at a time. After you get that down for a few weeks, you can add another one and stack them up. But it's funny because I'll read a book, and it'll say to do that. But I'm like, stacking I don't know, have it pro. Well,
1: I think there's something to, like, stacking a, a thing that you might not like to do with something that you do like to do. That's, like
0: – That's true. Um
1: I saw an interesting or like a simple one is uh, like when you go to the gym make sure you bring a water bottle cuz then you can drink more water right so if like one of your goals is to drink more water and the other one is to say listen to more audiobooks or read more right it's like okay drinking water listening to more audiobooks how can i do both of those while also doing something that i already do Yeah right well, I'm while i'm already at the, the gym, gym or... right exactly so it's like stacking those two things on top of the gym.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I, it's, that's been a big thing with the quarantine as well. Like, you know, I have all this time to create and like you, like you were saying, you have a little studio in your studio.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And,
0: and you know, but it's like at the same time, I'm getting probably the same amount of content creation done, maybe like a little bit more like doing these lives and things like that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes from actually filming videos, like I'm almost doing less podcasts and things like that because all of a sudden I have all this time and it's like it gets filled and I, I had a coach who right. would always tell me that you know whatever time you have gets filled with work like if you you could if you have two hours your work will take two hours if you have six time, hours that's yeah what same is it? work. Time,
1: expan- time expands the allotted amount of time you're given
0: yeah that his quote was something to do with that I always butcher it and then whenever I, I post about Fredo's
1: it, yeah. or something like that
0: yeah he always tells me that and I forget every time yeah. All right. So, one of the only other questions I guess that I had left here was if you were to, if someone from TikTok or like some kid who wants to blow up, whether they're an athlete or in entertainment, says, Do I need to move to LA to blow up on social media? What no. is your answer?
1: <laughs> no, you don't. You don't need to move to LA, even though I live in LA. Um, you don't need to live here. Um, look at Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast is the biggest YouTuber right now. He lives in Raleigh, North Carolina, right? and still has such a massive impact. And I don't think he would have as big of an impact. And I think that's the relatability aspect is like, you can be uh, uh, like, you can grow your following wherever you're at. Um, And I think it just speaks to how like connected we are, um, that you don't have to be in LA in order to be successful, especially right now, right? Like you look at the, I think the people in LA especially the people in the entertainment world, you're seeing are the least prepared for this situation. I'm talking about the people that work in entertainment. They're the least prepared for this situation. Whereas digital creators, there's a lot of them here. So I think there's a lot of them prepared here, but all the digital creators that are outside of Los Angeles and New York um, are also better suited for this than traditional television and, and film.
0: Right. Because they totally rely on the location, the people in that location. Yeah, the 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 huge
1: crews, whereas it's a one show or one-person show when it comes to this being my production studio, right? It's like, it's just me here and I only need myself. Not to say you can't rely on other people, but you can shoot something on your own and send it to an editor or whatever. Um, You can edit something yourself, whatever. But it's just like learning those skills clearly are gonna be so important, especially for the new, not to say the new world that we're gonna be living in. That sounds really scary uh, and very <laughs> like dystopian to say the new world, um, but it's gonna change. And especially like you're seeing with um, the, the addition of, uh, or I'm sorry, what happened with Trolls, right? Is like Universal released Trolls and they saw more money than they did from the original. And it's like, oh, that changes the game.
0: That right. I was just having that discussion, yeah, with someone, yeah. Change oh, wow. the game,
1: like That's, how movies that are released. So, what, like, how else does, that, what else does that affect? Um, you know, a lot of these uh digital companies or um, even just like late night shows are still going and SNL from home, yeah, yeah. yeah. The well, first clearly, one, not well, clearly, good, but SNL, it's is, SNL from home doesn't work as well, um, yeah. as other shows, but I think. Uh, John Oliver works really well Um, and I think that's to do with this comedy. I think a lot of comedy is going to be adjusted accordingly. I think a lot of the late night shows are gonna be adjusted because a lot of these hosts are not trained. They have not been conditioned to give jokes to no audience. They're used to having those pauses and they leave those pauses in whereas um, a lot of YouTubers the way they talk, they have jump cuts in there. I think a lot of the editing- Yeah, you just keep going. I think a lot of the editing could change and I think that would be my one thing that I would wanna see uh, a major network try out is just doing jump cuts and seeing how that works in this time.
0: Just not waiting for that
1: long pause, that awkward pause that Seth Meyers and and Stephen Colbert do. Um, Not to say that they're not super talented people, obviously they are. It's just the, the jokes are not written by people who are writing jokes for YouTube
0: right exactly yeah that's that's been interesting i think that's one of the the best things that came from this quarantine is it's bringing me back to like my days as like a 13 year old where i would literally be in my backyard with my video camera filming myself snowboarding down my back steps we have a tiny like it was a townhouse backyard and i set up my grandpa welded this little snowboard rail for me to hit and like i would just be filming myself and going around and then filming you know, my brother and I biking around or different things. And now it it feels the exact same way. Like I'm in my backyard. I'm like, okay, I need a photo today of myself doing burpees. So I have to set it up, get the timer. Perfect. Do the workout. How is this in focus? But it's, it's been fun. Like it's just fun to create things and do it on your own where, you know, you're at the gym and you have a photographer with you and you're just doing your own thing. And that's like cool in its own way. But when you're part of the whole process from, the idea to the actual creation it's 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 challenging and it's it's interesting because a lot of things will move to that direction and and like with ha- the success of TikTok and all those platforms those are the platforms where you have to be the one doing that whole curation right it's not like so, hey uh make me this movie send it off to someone else and they produce they put it out somewhere else like right. this edit of me doing my sport it's just you yeah, yeah it's, it's just you. it is just you yeah I I think it's an important like skill for people to learn. And I think I saw a video of like Gary Vee saying that where he's like, even if you don't blow up on TikTok, if say you're going on it for that objective, just learning the skill to communicate through that type of medium is beneficial in itself.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You don't have to, I guess you don't have to have an audience in order to like learn something. And that's like, it's not, there's no, there's no bad, video it's just they're all learnings right and i think that's yeah. super important to remember it's like it's just another like thing you can learn from
0: yeah awesome well this has been great i oh yeah, my gosh natalie
1: this is amazing was so
0: much fun <laughs> it's been uh yeah like an almost an hour and a half i think
1: oh my gosh somehow it's still light out
0: well here it's like super dark because it's 9 26 oh my gosh yeah wow. yeah yeah, it's it's late here, but um, no, this well, has been great. Cheers. I'm still sipping. Thank
1: you for, cheers. Thank you for having me for the happy hour. I appreciate it.
0: If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at Natalie Allport, and check out my website, www.natalieallport.com. Thank you for tuning in.